Hey, check it out. Hey, hey, check it out. Have you heard the good news about Inframan, the man with the infra power, and Princess Dragon Mommy, and monsters too? And we're gonna punch and grow and do some other things. And have you seen Ultraman or Common Rider? Because if you have, you'll probably think this is the same. But the monsters are interesting in a different way. Oh, yeah. Check it out. I go for like a smooth jazz kind of vibe today. Cool, Mamio. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We did it. Here it is. It's another episode of <laughs> Weird. Well, that was fast. Is that all we're doing now? I don't need you guys at all anymore. It's Hey, Check It Out. I'm Josh A. Kagan. Uh, and with me, as always, are the delightful Coriander and Anna. Say hi, friends. Hi friends. Hi, friends. Perfect. We rehearsed that. <laughs> and there were no lies spoken in Anna's uh, wistful, dreamy take on the Hey, Check It Out theme uh, available on Spotify and Apple Music. We are discussing 1975 slash 1976's Inframan, a.k.a. Uh, the Super Inframan, a.k.a. The Chinese Superman. This is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. This does not surprise me at all. No, I, I and before I go into my big spiel about it, because I, as always, when I am driving, I start off with the droning sound of my voice reading off a piece of paper. But before we do that, let's give you a represent from my droning terrible voice. And let's ask our friends, what you think? I had a lot of fun. Sure. It was a little bit, a touch, a touch overwhelming, but <laughs> <laughs> they tried to use like all of the frame and <laughs> <laughs> which version did you watch? Because there's a million bopping around. There's one a kind of official version that's on the streaming sites. And then if you bop around on YouTube, you can find them in various dubs and subs and various opening credit sequences, which we will get to. But which one did you watch, Corey? This is a dubbed version of a VHS scan. Ah, the Good Times 1994 version. Wait, that's what you watched? What you might not realize is that the reason they use the whole frame is because that's about a third of the actual frame that was shot. This was the first way that I saw Inframan uh, back in the mid 90s, although I carried it in my heart for a decade beforehand, and I'll get into that. But the first way that American audiences could see it, uh, well, there was a 1980s release on Prism, which I never got my hands on. Uh, and then the Good Times version, which came out in 1994, has the American dub and the American opening credits and then pluses it with an extra bonus chunk of opening credits that Good Times Video inserted, naming all of the monsters wrong. Oh, you didn't get that. What's that? Well, your notes refer to some of the monsters as like Big Lumpy. And I'm like, that's not his name. Those are the names that I gave them. My friend Dave Melito was kind enough to transfer the VHS to uh, a gorgeous 480p blocky block. And uh, but this is but I wanted at least one of us to watch it because this is how most of us probably saw it. Those of us who did see it in the 80s and 90s, a shitty pan and scan version. But you but through all of that, Corey, you still managed to enjoy yourself. Yes. <laughs> 
It's a banger. I wanted us to have a banger after a few weeks of uh, sad movies and mm. legit movies. This is just this is just a good, good time. Anna, from your wistful, dreamy theme song, uh, a tribute <laughs> to the late Julie Cruz, no doubt. R.I.P. Julie. She was the soundtrack to like my junior high years. <laughs> and an auxiliary B-52. I can't stress this enough. Of course. That is motherfucking range. Anna, from your wistful song, it sounds like you probably weren't as impressed with this as we were. Oh, no, I just I, I I'm just trying to change up the theme song occasionally. Oh. oh, OK. That's how good of it. That's how good of an artist you are. You sold us. Thank you. Uh, no, I you know, I enjoyed it. Like fundamentally, absolutely. I enjoyed it. I watched a version that I got randomly from the Internet, so I'm not entirely sure what its original sources i suspect it's from the maybe the the overseas dvd or blu-ray release because it has the dodgiest english subtitles that has ever been my privilege to enjoy perfect they definitely they definitely feel like um government mandated english subtitles like you get on <laughs> hong kong releases that nope that that are absolutely a literal translation of everything that is said regardless of sentence structure tense or what have you so there's a certain amount of watching through those which made honestly made it seem a little dodgier than i think it really is but i did see you see it in glorious 1080p widescreen and it looked oh, a fucking treat it's core core you gotta if you ever want to watch this again you should absolutely watch it in uh panavision with, with the full frame <laughs> With and all and the correct color values and like you know some some image fidelity. But you, if you didn't watch the dub, you didn't get the most brilliant walla I've ever heard. Okay, fair. I so I did watch the uh the first bit of the dub, like because because Josh had said at least watch the opening, and I did watch the opening, and I was watching it with Jen, and then Jen wanted to hear more of the dub voices, so we watched a bit of it dub just to get a sense of she she really wanted to hear Princess Dragon Mommy's dubbed voice. It's pretty good. The dub, I'm going to say this. The dub's pretty, pretty good. good. The dub's pretty good. When combined, I personally, unless you can find good subtitles, I'm going to go ahead and say if you can watch it in 1080p in the full frame aspect ratio, uh, not full frame, but full aspect ratio yeah. uh, with the English dub, I, I think that's best case scenario. I would rewatch it that way. Under Like, I, I don't have it in me to watch a pen and scan 480p version of it because Nor i'm I. just i'm just that bad <laughs> i'm just that monster but um i would certainly watch it with the correct aspect ratio etc with the dub the dub seemed to be by the standards of that era of dubbing pretty damn good yeah it's fine and like you know, fun fun in the way that like watching like uh like a 70s kung fu movie with the dub is mm, yeah. where the dub is kind of part of the enjoyment it reminded me of two things, uh, the Ultra 7 dub and uh, MXC, the most extreme elimination challenge. Right. Yeah, uh, I can see that. That show. Mm -hmm. I remember that show. I don't know if I said this last time, but I just found out that Peacock has all of the original Japanese Iron Chef. Boy, oh boy. What a blessing. All right. So we all had a good time. I'm going to do a little spiel. I'll be back in five minutes. Oh God, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get through this as quickly as I can. No, I no, I'm gonna come I'm when I come back, you'll be done. Okay. Bye, Anna. I'm just gonna I'm gonna contextualize this real quick because uh regardless of which version you watch, the first thing you're gonna see is this is a Shaw Brothers presentation. And whenever you see 
that phrase, Shaw Brothers presentation, a Shaw Brothers movie, a Shaw Brothers film. And hopefully, if you are watching the original version, you are going to see it. The really adorable and striking fake Warner Brothers logo that they have, <laughs> which is amazing. And the little fanfare. So this is a Shaw Brothers movie, and that's exciting. So Inframan dropped in 1975 in Hong Kong, 1976 in the States. Shaw Brothers production. And if that sounds familiar to you, it's because if you have seen a 1970s martial arts movie, chances are reasonably good it's one of theirs. They were one of the major studios behind the Kung Fu boom in the 1970s. 70s, one of the others being Golden Harvest, who we'll get to in a minute. The Shaw Brothers' long and storied history began in the early 1920s, but for our purposes, we're going to pick it up in 1967. If you want to learn more about the Shaw Brothers, I highly recommend a book that dropped last year called These Fists Break Bricks, which is the entire history of kung fu movies and the 1970s kung fu revolution, and it's incredible. We're going to pick it up in 1967. That's where they changed the martial arts game forever with One-Armed Swordsman, which eschewed the romantic pageantry of early martial arts or Uchiha movies. Uh, that's what the internet said it sounds like. Uchiha films before that uh, were real, like, romantic and almost like fantasy films and uh, and basically had a lot of feelings. If you've ever seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that was Ang Lee's tribute to this pre-early kind of martial arts film. Uh, but they, uh, but One Iron Swordsman changed everything uh, because uh, it just had a lot of murders. It had a lot of sword play, as you can guess, a lot a lot of blood, a lot of violence, a lot of nihilism. And they built on this throughout the 70s with movies like The Fucking Excellent King Boxer and Five Deadly Venoms. In 1970, Golden Harvest came on the scene, poaching talent from the Shaws, who ironically, because they revolutionized the entire martial arts game, they had been around since the 1920s. So they were like an old school studio system and it was very stern and everything was very in stone uh, and Golden Harvest wanted to shake it up. So they snagged a lot of their talent. They snagged a lot of Golden Harvest talent and they also snagged Bruce Goddamn Lee, who the Shaws tragically lowballed, losing their shot at the genre's first international superstar. Uh, Golden Harvest also went on to work with Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung as well, uh, extending their reign into the 80s and 90s. Uh, so against the eight ball with a real competitor for the first time, the Shaws were always looking for new ways to innovate, new genres to conquer, new opportunities to eat Golden Harvest's lunch. Taking notice of the success of Japanese uh, takusatsu shows like Common Rider and Ultraman, the latter of which had found international and more importantly American success, they decided they were going to hench in their way into the sci-fi superhero business. So they spent a lot of money to make the super in Superman, which has been referred to as the first Chinese sci-fi film, as well as the first Chinese superhero film, and also the first Chinese film to use hot air balloon for advertising. <laughs> Thanks, Wiki. Uh, so, uh, and they even got a bunch of Japanese VFX guys who had worked on Common Rider to help out. So, if things look familiar, specifically Inframan's costume, they brought in Japanese talent to make sure they got everything right. And uh, it, it, it it tanked. It tanked in China. It, this was a this was a tough couple of years for the Shaw brothers because they also put money in international uh, productions like. The frankly amazing Cleopatra Jones in the uh, Casino of Gold, a American black exploitation movie, and that did terrible in China as well. Uh, so this was tough, but 
a U.S. distributor named Joseph Brenner, who made his bones repackaging and releasing uh, genre films for the grindhouse market in the States. Uh, my fellow Giallo dorks uh, might recognize his name from being associated with uh, the re-releases of movies like Torso and Eyeball. He picked it up in Cannes, and he dropped it in the States with new credits and a dub, and it did pretty okay. Roger Ebert gave it 2.5 stars, which is kind of crazy for a mainstream critic in the mid-70s to give kind of a grindhousey superhero movie rating like that uh and he said when they stop making movies like inframan a little light will go out of the world in the 90s he raised it from two and a half stars to three stars because quentin tarantino re-released the shaw brothers attempted a giant ape movie mighty p king man also fucking excellent uh ebert gave that three stars and so he had to retroactively go back and give inframan three stars which means that inframan mighty p king man and my first movie band slam are all the exact same amount of good <laughs> yep legally yep legally three stars these are all three star pictures but out of out of how many uh four okay not ten no not just ten. checking but you know what even if it was out of 10, <laughs> Band Slam was still the same amount of good as Mighty P. King, man, and Inframan. I would put on my little nightcap and go, I've had a good day. Good night, mother. And then you would snuff out the candle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. So <laughs> I read this Ebert review in the mid 80s uh, from the copy of his film review book. I basically kept under my pillow next to Leonard Maltin's and I carried it in my heart for about a decade because I couldn't find this movie anywhere. The video store didn't have it. TV wasn't showing it. And I wasn't like one of those you know, genre nerds, uh, you know, and I was still like in my early teens who had access to like zines and shit like that. Famous monsters of Filmland, places where you could go in the back and look up like, oh, I can buy bootlegs from here, here and here. I didn't mm -hmm. have that kind of access or discretionary income. So I finally got my hands on it in the mid 90s in the version that Corey saw a garbagey pan and scan VHS. And I've since seen it a million times, uh, and I was even lucky enough about five or six years ago to see it at the New Beverly here in uh, Los Angeles, California. And boy, oh boy, I got to tell you, that plays with an audience. And so the version I watched tonight, uh, this was the Super Inframan. You can rent it on YouTube. Uh, and as I said, combines the original gorgeous widescreen print with the English dub. Uh, we all watched a little of the terrible 94 VHS, which fucks with the opening credits even further, changing the title to Inframan Battles the Sci-Fi Monsters. Accurate. And then makes up names for all the bad guys. It's terrible. <laughs> What's wrong with Lady Dragon Mommy? It's mom. Just mom. It's Princess Dragon Mom. You have to stop saying mommy. <laughs> I refuse. Fair enough. So that's uh, obviously go pick up a book or a wiki if you want to learn more about the Shaw Brothers. But that basically brings us to what this movie is, which is like all of my favorite mo uh, movies, an attempt to cash in on something else that was making a lot of money. I am going to go out on a limb and say as someone who is now an expert on at least one season of Common Writer and who through you two have watched various other tokusatsu shows, um, I, I like this better. I like this better. This is my favorite. And I know. And of course, I like it better because it's off brand and a rip off and a knockoff. And there's only one of it. And there's only one of it. And it's not 
trying to be funny. No. That's true. Nobody loses their pants. Nobody slams their foot in the door. Nobody goes, oh, no, a thing fell on my head and it's filled with milk or whatever. There are no, <laughs> there are no jokes. And I really appreciate that. It just starts and then it goes, 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 goes relentlessly. And then there's one boring scene of feelings and then it keeps going and there's monsters and kung fu. I love it. I, but at the same time, it's not like dark and angry and nihilistic uh -huh. or anything like that. It is just a movie where a guy in a suit punches monsters and monsters punch him back. It's fucking delightful. I was honestly worried they were going to go for like a, a Giver kind of oh, ripoff. Just like sure. we're going to break bones, people. Get ready for, for some stabbings. It's going to be dark. It's going to be gritty. The world is at stake. No, it, it is a G-rated movie, and it was, again, made with the American market and the kitty market in mind. I mean, it still yep. predates stuff like Star Trek and Superman. Uh, it, well, not Star Trek. It predates Star Wars and Superman. Mm -hmm. But it definitely, I mean, the Shaw brothers definitely looked at the American market and went, they like Ultraman. They like science fiction stuff. They love superheroes. That the When I said one of the titles is Chinese Superman, that's the literal translation of the Chinese title, if I'm not mistaken. Taken. And mm. as if to sell it even further, the original Chinese poster just has the fucking Superman logo on it. It's just a it. big S. <laughs> it's True. just a big S. I wonder what that means on his planet. <laughs> mm, kaiju. Perfect. <laughs> but it's super fun. And it just, I, I just, it's the, I, I, people are always like trying to define what a genre movie is because it's a word dorks like me throw around a lot because isn't every movie a genre movie because aren't they genres but I, the one description that I read was a genre movie is a movie that is the fullest and purest representation of a genre that to me is Inframan aka the super Inframan it's just what it is and I love it hmm. thank you we should talk about it yeah Sure, let's do that. I like to start off talking about the crappy VHS version because <laughs> as yes, the titles please. come in, anything that's on the red text is unreadable. Yep. The bloom yep. is so strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, hey, this is a lovely little treat for the audience. It's nice for me to see these clips of all the monsters with the titles for their names, which I'm going to go through right now. We have. Giant Flying Lizard, Driller Beast, The Octopus Mutant, Laser Horn Monster, Emperor of Doom, Iron Fists Robot, and Giant Beetle Monster. These are so inaccurate on... So, okay, no, wait. Some of them are extraordinarily accurate, and some of them are re weirdly way off. Like, like, Beetle Monster is very clearly a spider. Yes, and yep. as long as we're playing this game, here are... <laughs> The original Chinese versions of those monster names. We have uh, Fire Dragon, Spider Monster Anna, Plant Monster, Mutant Drill, Long Hair Monster, Iron Armor Monsters. And then also Princess Dragon Mom, who is called Wicked Dragon Mom in the Good Times 94 VHS, has a much cooler name in the original, Demon Princess Elzebub. Hmm. Shit's badass. Dragon Mom is fine. Princess Dragon Mom is fine. Wicked Dragon Mom, kind of stupid. Oh, also Witch Eye, the other lady. Uh, she Demon. She Demon, yes. Or 
the thing uh, that uh, Guillermo del Toro ripped off for Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, God, right. So true. So true. Again, this is one of those things I have no proof of, but he's seen this fucking. He probably he saw this movie in Quentin's home theater when they were both talking about feet or whatever. Like they were just. (laughs) (laughs) Quentin's like, you want to see some feet? Lady is he Ultraman? This lady has dragon feet. (laughs) (laughs) And this other lady has hands on eyes on the palms of her scaly hands. And Guillermo's like, I'm writing this thing. I'm going to take a note. That's terrifying. I'm going to use that. He draws just a little eye on his hands. on his hands. So he doesn't Do this. Uh, (laughs) What Corey did not mention is that the part where they introduce the sci-fi monsters, a thing that's never referred to again in the film, is so... Honkily, tonkily, chonkily inserted with just like utilizing 1970s uh like a cable access technology like a vi- I, someone used video toaster and possibly for the last time um it's just in big block letters and it's vaguely different music underneath it and it really does look like for all the world that somebody put, took a pair of safety scissors and just cut out the tape and inserted another piece of tape with rubber cement and glue. It's awful looking. I didn't notice. You wouldn't be able to in that version that you watched. I mean, it all looked it all looked awful. That's true. It all looks like shit. So those are the monsters. Those are our players. Let us begin. Kids on a bus mm-hmm. are singing are having a little sing song. There's a nice teacher and there's a nice bus driver. This lasts about, I would say. Four seconds. <laughs> and then the earth starts shaking and a shadow flies overhead. And then very gracefully, a dragon costume <laughs> floats onto the road surface. And then, and then fades out as the ground opens up. So because of the lack of like context, I assumed that this dragon was like Godzilla sized or something from, from doing a belly flop. And then the, like the road just like subsiding basically, which is like, I got like, man, there's some effects in this movie that I'm just like, wow, I've never seen an effect that like this good in a movie that other, that looks like it's on some levels kind of cheap, but the, some of the special effects are amazing. And these, that, this whole thing with the road collapsing looks so nice. They sweat blood for this. They put in a lot of money because they were basically like, we are opening up China for an entirely new genre that we have not done before. So it's like, it looks good. It still it is. Good. It's still people in rubber suits. And that's always going to be just okay. But for people in rubber suits, like, it, I will say this, it looks filmic. It looks, it yes. doesn't look like a film TV show or a TV show that got no. blown up. It looks filmic. Yeah. So this so this dragon gracefully lands, disappears. The entire earth opens up. The <laughs> bus falls into the earth while the driver screams and the children barely escape with their lives <laughs> screaming. And then we hard cut to the entire fucking world <laughs> ending. Yep. Like, 
It's a, there is just some city and it is on fire and everybody's on fire and running around and screaming. And this movie is 30 seconds old. I could cry. <laughs> there is no character set up. There is no like, oh, what a lovely day in this town. We're all coming back from a field trip or we're off to school or something. Or it's your birthday. No, that dragon lands. The earth opens up. A man is killed. And then an entire city burns to the ground. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess because that city burned to the ground, we're only going to see like the city like one more time. <laughs> and the rest of the movie will be set within about f- five feet of the science place. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Uh, we then cut to after like a good 30 seconds of towering inferno city on fire shit. We cut to a nice big satellite dish. And now we are at. The Science Center, which sounds like a children's museum. It is not. We don't know. We are, nor do we ever really told what the Science Center is. It is just a place (laughs) where scientists who can also carry guns and wear real sharp little blue, uh, like unitard outfits with with silver shit on it. They all look real cool. Uh, They basically just run around and look at things beep and blink. And there's a lot of instances in which I could say this, and I probably will just say it this one time, and y'all can assume it for for the rest unless I decide to say it again. But this is just Ultraman. This is just Ultraman with the serial numbers filed off. <laughs> they're in a big science place, and they're wearing uniforms, and it's it's just Ultraman. Mm-hmm. But back outside, a black car pulls up, driver gets out, opens the back door for Beardyman, and then... That's a million reporters <laughs> pop up and they're like, tell us about these monsters. Do you think they're aliens? What's going on? And he's like, no comment. I'm not saying things. I have no idea. I have to go science now. And this is this is our Professor Chang, uh, who is in charge of the Science Center uh, and uh, is basically behind all of the technological advances that we will see in this movie. Is there an Ultraman equivalent? Is there a Professor Bearded Man who's in charge of everything? No. Okay, so here's here's the thing about how this movie works is that aesthetically it's very Ultraman, but in terms of actual content, it's more common writer. Ultraman is never a science experiment. Ultraman is always one of the ultras from the M ninety M something galaxy, Nebula, who come to Earth and generally speaking, uh are you know, following some evil or just something's happening and they end up on usually Earth, sometimes somewhere else. There's some very brave young person who is dying. And so in order to save them and be able to exist on planet Earth, they fuse with them and then have like, you know, a lot of adventures together. Whereas 70s common like Showa era common Rider is always about human beings who have been modified by an evil organization, probably with shocker in their name into the, into a common writer and then escape and fight said evil organization. So the, the whole aesthetic is very Ultraman, but the whole mostly being a regular sized dude who punches people and has special attacks and was modified from a human is really common writery. Yeah. It's really confusing. Cause like, I, Aesthetically, I also feel like they're pulling from manga. Like, there's sure. some like Tetsujin 28 looking crap. Oh, this looks way better than any common writer like of that era ever. And frankly, any like most common writers of the current era looks because they have real like they have real physical sets that look a treat. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And those are the only sets we get to see for the most part. But still, they look really nice and I don't mind them. 
Well, inside the science facility where science is happening with all the blinky lights, there's a man, his lieutenant, he's like, give me this project, take this project, insert these numbers into the computer, program things. And another guy's like, sir, come over here. These lights are supposed to be on and they're not. (laughs) These big globe lights, some of them are on, but some of them aren't. Okay. You have to tell the professor when he gets here. Oh, look, the professor's here. <laughs> Perfect. And the professor's like, hey, everybody, let's do some science. One of the professor's real catchphrases in this movie is, get me printouts on blank, <laughs> on impossible things that make no... So he's like, get me printouts on these monsters, which is yeah. just like, hey, sir, Google yeah. hasn't been, isn't going to be invented for another, like, 100 years. What are we doing exactly? Get me printouts of Spider-Man. And they're like, hey, these blinky lights aren't blank and he goes over to his console and starts poking at buttons and I'm like oh my god is he just gonna fix it like immediately and no the desk rotates it's a big rotating desk so that he can turn to face anywhere in the room without moving that's how you know he's in charge He is in charge. And they establish that it's the communication system that's down. That's what those particular big globule blinky lights represent. Probably should label them. And then somebody else runs up and says, sir, 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 Mount Devil has erupted. 10,000 people are dead. And this is one of my favorite moments of dubbing in the movie and possibly ever. Anna, I I wish... I'm sorry to burn this because you missed it. Sir, Mount Devil has erupted. 10,000 people are dead. And it cuts to the professor and he just goes, oh, that's weird. (laughs) Mount Devil's been dead for thousands of years. What's going on? It is just really that it's the same kind of oh that somebody would say if like if their payday bar got stuck in the vending machine. Oh, oh. That's weird. I don't really want it anyway. Paydays are gross. Uh, but then before anybody else can be like, oh, yeah, I guess 10,000 people dying is pretty off kilter. Uh, there's an earthquake. They pointed their scanner at Mount Devil and they're like, what's up? And Mount Devil crumbles to reveal giant monster heads. And everybody points and goes, what's that? A good question. And I'm like, oh, the monsters are actually really large. Like, look at how large these bones are. And then a dragon phases in to screen on top of the dragon skeleton and then phases into a woman with a fancy hat. What a lady. And, and a pink cape tied in a little bow around her neck, which is my favorite part of her outfit, but, but it's just a baller outfit no matter what. A glorious, long, blondish white wig, uh, and she's got dragon hands, and this is Princess Dragon Mom. She, she does Josh, she does not have dragon hands. She has a hand that's a dragon oh, and a mistake. hand that's like a clawed hand of a dragon, if you will. Yes. One of her hands is a, head, is a dragon head, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really ever come to anything, but it's just nice to have around. You just sometimes look. You want to make an impression, you get the dragon hand. Yeah. And she addresses the, the science facility like, sup, earthlings. Hey, I'm... <laughs> Princess Dragon Mom, I'm going to take over the world. You all got to be my slaves or I'll kill you. I would just like to throw in something here that just occurred to me. Mm -hmm. Can we assume that George R.R. Martin? No, we cannot. (laughs) This is not where the mother of dragons came from, Josh. Mommy of dragons was not originated in this movie. Princess Dragon Mom? Princess Dragon Mommy, yes. And Mommy of Dragons doesn't come from here either. 
It does. I've decided. He was in the same. He was in the Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and Tarantino. We're smoking a bowl. They're all, they're all smoking a bowl, talking about footsies, watching yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> and I would not want to be in that room. So of course the professor is immediately like, "I need a printout on this princess." Right. Yep. yep. <laughs> I, can we? Can we just talk about these printouts for a second? Because. Sure. Okay, so this is weird because you're saying that they like made this movie with the intent of it being a crossover film, yet there's a certain amount of English that is used in the movie that seems to presuppose that nobody who's watching it can actually read English and understand that they are not using the correct terms or words. What do you mean? Um, and the printouts are basically, it looks like they they copied and pasted like an Encyclopedia Britannica article and just printed it out or something. But there's also a point later where there's some dials that they claim mean certain things, but they have the CMY designations yes. on them instead. Mm -hmm. I have to assume that that was not out of not caring about an English speaking audience and more just because much in the same way that the Death Star control board is, if I'm not mistaken, film audio mixing equipment. I think they just I think they just threw dials and sure. gauges in okay. and just went mm -hmm. like. These are them. The thing I think is funny is he's like, <laughs> give me printouts the first time and we get yeah. like a printing montage. But when we, we see the printer the first time, there's like a black circle and underneath it is labeled normal. <laughs> and I have no idea why. It's just a normal black circle. It's just a, yeah, it's just normal, but it's part of the printing process. When anybody comes in with a black circle, they go, hang on, hang on, hang on. We have to compare this <laughs> and make sure that you have a regular black circle. Anyways, cut to a burning building, assumedly in the part of the city that is still on fire where everyone is dying. And this is where we meet Rama, one of the science guys, because I guess in addition to doing science, they just drive around in their little outfits on their motorcycles. And if people are having a problem, you'll go solve it. That's what I'm saying. It's ultra many. So he's rescuing a little kid from a burning building. He's on like the second floor and he's like, hey, kid, don't jump. And then he picks the kid up and then jumps himself don't jump this way we'll both get injured but they don't he lands cat-like on his toes uh and rescues the child and then somebody grabs uh the cb off of his motorcycle and is like hey it's the professor it's for you and the guy goes uh-huh uh-huh all right deuces i'm out everybody else rescue people i'm gone mm -hmm. and that's the last we see of the city and its denizens it all burned down after that there's a very important meeting going on where everyone's just like popping ideas <laughs> off, you know, they're just like, wow, this sucks. And this is uh, there is a line in Roger Ebert's review where he and it's a misquote. But again, it's one of those things that that I read in the mid 80s and carried in my heart forever and ever like a precious locket. Uh, you put lockets in your heart, I guess. And it's basically the guy who is the head of this meeting saying, gentlemen, the situation is so bad, it's the worst in human history. And I can't tell you, there's not a day that goes by <laughs> over the last, like, maybe, f I would say six years, yeah. where I don't wake up every morning, read the news, and go, gentlemen, the situation is so bad, it's the worst in human history. And everyone else is sitting around the table like, hmm, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. point, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. uh -huh. they're, like the they're all like the business frogs from Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> yes. 
So this this is the scene where it goes full kaiju movie instead of Ultraman or Kamen Rider because this is basically like the scene in Gamera where they're talking about, hey, Gamera's a thing. Then this, the one scientist who has no business knowing all of this stuff is like, okay, well, here's my half-baked theory about why this is happening. Everyone's like, yeah, that, got, that must be it. This is Professor Chang, uh, Professor Beardo, a.k.a. Professor Science. Uh, he gives a lowdown on Princess Dragomon and her monsters, and basically they're old. They're super intelligent and they live underground. Basically, they lived a million years ago and then they got buried by something and they've just been hanging out, biding their time. They're out now and they're gunning for everybody and they're mad. Uh, and the guy in charge guy who is in charge of establishing how bad the situation is basically says, Professor, you're in charge of everything. You're in charge of the country. You're in charge of the world. You own the military. Anna, yes, you have a question. Professor Chang, Professor Chang, I have a lot of questions about what you just said. Nope. Oh, I'll, I'll reiterate. Okay, Princess Dragon Mom is 10 million years old and smarter than our best computers. Where did you find this out? It was on the printout. Did you not yeah. read the printouts I sent? Professor Chang, if you've known about this the whole time, why didn't you take proactive steps? Because he didn't ask for a printout before, but now he's got one. <laughs> Shouldn't we be referring all of our all of this to the computer rather than you? Seems like you're using it as a crutch. The computer should be in charge of yeah. battling Princess Dragon, Mom. The printouts should be in charge, it sounds like. <laughs> Bring in general printout. Hey, guys, how's it going? Anyway, I just... I, this isn't even a... Like, I, I, I'm, I'm making fun, but I actually kind of find it delightful when, when a movie just, like, elides any kind of attempt to like make sense and just is like nope this one guy knows everything he's going to tell you no one's going to question it now you know i believe that professor chang recognizes monsters from the pre-ice age era okay. right our famous <laughs> famous monsters from the pre-ice age era yeah because he's a scientist what field of science you might add all, all of, of them he yeah. is a he is a scientician he yep. knows all so if it's science he gets it mm -hmm. uh so now and now he's president of the world and the military <laughs> he and the science team are in charge of fixing this problem professor chang would you like any help from anybody whatsoever Ever. No, I've got 17. I've got 17 nice boys in little outfits and we have revolvers and we are and we can do this. And my desk rotates and my desk rotates and most things are blue. Would you like the military's assistance? In We're capacity? good. We have motorcycles. Meanwhile, in Princess Dragon Mum's under volcano lair. I assume yes. she summons all of her monsters and they are all fucking great each one is better than the last yes. we are not i don't think we should dance about architecture and try nope. to describe these monsters to you you should see this movie it has no swearing no violence no nudity it is unlike any other movie that i generally watch this is this is as pure as the fresh driven snow every man woman and child and every all points in between on the great specter of gender uh spectrum and the specter of gender <laughs> <laughs> i live under the specter of gender every day of my life i think you're thinking of the gay ghost <laughs> <laughs> nice 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 um everyone should watch this movie uh so we meet all of these monsters and they're great i agree with you i'm not going to describe the monsters but i just want to describe their aesthetic which is tokusatsu monsters except as theme park mascots they're cuddly for the most, except except some of them are metal. Not all of <laughs> them are cuddly. Listen, there's some that are real cuddly, and I want to hug. 
They are all kind of adorable. Yeah, they're cute. And they're real cute. They are well goddamn crafted. They are. Mm-hmm. They look very like it's obvious that like the way they look is hot, is entirely intentional. It's not the result of like a, like working around a low budget or anything. They made the monsters they fucking wanted to make. And boy, are they excited to be here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every, every one of them is just like, <laughs> They are a jovial bunch as they are as much as Princess Dragon Mom is pretty much a, she is a stern task mistress. These guys are just like, you want to get a beer with these guys. Speaking of task mistress, she has a whip. Yeah. And she uses it to emphasize her messages. Sure does. And nothing else. Wacha, wacha. Summon my monsters. She demon. Sometimes it goes wacha even when she's not really moving it very much. No, it just. It just that's I how think, excited it is. It's I think it might have a. Maybe there's a button in the ha- handle that makes the wacha noise. I, I wish I had a whip like that. So not much else happens except we see a lot of monsters and they're summoned. And then we're back to Professor Chang and his science boys. And they got to solve this world-ending monster problem. And then he tells Rayma, uh, oh, I forgot to introduce Danny Lee properly. Uh, this is our lead. His name is Danny Lee. That's his uh, westernized name anyways. He was in 80s Hong Kong classics like John Woo's The Killer. Uh, he is like a real oh, deal yeah. dude. Uh, and he was in 70s Hong Kong non-classics like The Oily Maniac, which I have to watch just based on the title. Is that anything like The Greasy Strangler? It is not. I believe this is a greasy monster. Oh. Danny Lee's really interesting. Uh, from what little I read about him is that he did a lot of like genre garbagey type films in the 1970s. And then when that era of Hong Kong cinema kind of came to an end, he was able to transfer out of like B movies into like real deal John Woo films. Uh, so mm. he's, that's an interesting guy. And if you've ever seen The Killer, you know he's great. Professor Chang is like, hey, come with me. I want to give you superpowers. I built this whole suit. You will have to face the torments of hell. <laughs> and Raymond's like, yeah, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, put me in, Let's put me in, Doc. can do it. Why aren't we doing this right now? I should be in pain right now. Well, wait a second. You might die. And... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Give me give me all this. I love it. As long as the power doesn't go out, I think it'll be just dandy. So now Rayma is strapped to a bunch of science and we see knobs and monitors and stuff. And uh, as we're joining, uh, he, the professor puts a, a little sharp crown on his head uh, of diodes and whatnot. And uh, I one can't help but notice that he is lying in a crucifix position <laughs> and the professor does put a little crown on his head. Why they want this symbolism in this movie at this moment is anybody's guess. I don't write the news, I just report it. Ultraman. Ultraman's cru- Ultraman gets crucified all the time. Yeah, Ultraman has a b- big Catholic influence on it. Is there is there a reason or is it just cut? Uh, because the author was raised by Jesuits? I don't know exactly specifically, but it's just... <laughs> okay. So I guess that is, so I learned a thing today. I guess there is Catholic imagery in rubber monster movies and TV shows. Yeah, if you ever see a a superhero getting crucified, it's going to be Ultraman. This is also a a fun way to fuck with Evangelion fans. That's why there's crucifixion in Evangelion too. (laughs) Yeah, but I also like to think it's for like a a few reasons, but that's for sure one of them. (laughs) Uh, Neon Genesis of Evangelion fans. 
Where would we be without you? I don't know. We were, we were, we're basically the saviors of the world. It's true. Do you have that shirt with Garfield on it that says Neon Genesis Evangelion? I would love that shirt. Okay, it exists. I'll find it. Um, anyways, we're back to Dragon Mom's lair and everyone stands around and looks real menacing. They have flashing lights too. So they obviously have access to a lot of science. They have a snake that makes yep. water come out of its mouth. We're flood water they have some weird squishy looking skulls that are part of the decor that are really big they have a they have a spinal bridge is this where we see the minions for the first time no maybe no but we get we, we might so they she also has a bunch of like bonehead minions who if you are familiar with the new mystery science theater 3000 the 2017 reboot uh and i learned this from the wiki but when i uh, or had it confirmed from the wiki when i saw the rebooted mystery science theater i went all of Felicia Day's hench people are stolen from Inframan. And uh, the wiki confirms. Hodgson said, yeah, oh, yeah, we stole it from Inframan. So we got a bunch of those guys, too. And those are sort of our cannon fodder guys uh, who, like, on Common Rider, it would be sort of the garbage yummies. I love them. Yeah, they look like, a lot like if the shocker troops from um, the first common rider always wore their helmets. Well, all, a always wore their helmets and B had a, they had a much bigger budget to make their costumes. So that it wasn't just a fabric onesie with the nose hole cut out. They also basically make the equivalent of the look because they, it's like a different syllable, but they all go like all the time. So it's like, it's a, it's a real lineage and I love them. I love them so much. Yep. They have little white skull bits all over them and a little skull belt buckle but it's not a regular skull it's a little squished look and i just i like it a lot it's a it is a great look these are fine henchmen yeah and they also have a shit ton of them like it's not like they've got three of them and they're shooting around the fact they've got a lot of them again real movie it's a real movie in as much as in as much as a movie about rubber monsters it's as real as a movie can be so dragon mom poofs out of nowhere and tells she demon aka which i not renamed for the good times version summon all the mutants and a tv screen comes on and all the mutants are standing in a line in the other room just <laughs> hanging out <laughs> laughing and jiggling uh just like i'm ready i'm ready to do this how's it going walla 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 princess dragon mom's like like no i'll tell you when we go and the green plant guys like oh i want to kill earthlings now and dragon bump's like we're gonna do it now <laughs> and then you make a compelling argument she even teleports them one by one from yep. on the screen into the room which and from what i can tell that's just the next room over. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, they just didn't want to walk. In my heart of hearts, that I, I believe that is a giant TV screen hole cut in the set, and all of the monsters are standing about 10 feet in the background. It really is. Murder in a Blue World, uh, which I just watched last week, had a dynamite Eloy D. Iglesias uh, Clockwork Orange ripoff, has that same effect. And anytime I see it, uh, again, the Hexfield view screen from MST is another example. That's just my favorite i love it when they cut tv holes and put people's faces and bodies behind them i love it so much so yeah she's like let's wait monsters the monsters are like but what if now and she was like good point 
here you go. <laughs> so she sends out a uh, lumpy green guy, uh, who aka Driller Beast, and Green Tentacles Vines guy, the octopus mutant. And she says, smash and destroy the science center. And they go, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I'm <laughs> killing our things. This is what this is what we were doing. Honestly, do. the driller is my favorite based on the the dub. <laughs> Just the voice person is channeling Pete from oh. Goof Troop. Yeah, just so yeah. much. Like it's 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 not Jim Cummings, but it's yeah, no. If you love Sweetums, you'll love Driller Hand. In the non-duck version, Drill, Driller Hands makes the most tremendous monster noises almost all the time. Lumpy guy, the Driller Beast. Let's call him Driller Beast. Knocks over a VW Bug with Science Guy in it. Throws him over his shoulder and kidnaps him. <laughs> while Vine Guy just sort of flaps around. It goes, wow, this is so much fun. It, it, we don't do this enough. Vine Guy has like like a green vine skull face that is immobile and it's so good. Yeah, it's really good. But he's got so many noodles. He's got so many noodles. Yeah, what is it? It's like if the beanstalk from Jack and the Beanstalk <laughs> yes. was had feet. <laughs> I said at a point that is coming up, I said to Jen, once again, Josh has tricked me into watching a movie with a fucking beanstalk in it. So bitter. You're just pushing your goddamn beanstalk agenda every chance you get. Here I am trying to relate to you because you love Asian cinema. I love Asian cinema just from a different era and quality level than you do. Uh, so in the science basement, Professor Chang is inserting machines into Rayma's skeleton. It's not, you know, putting adamantium on Wolverine's bones. But he's not not doing that. Yeah, no, it, it hurts. Imagine Professor Chang went to the local Toys R Us and got one of those, hey, kids, learn about electricity kits and took all the parts of that and just sort of attached them to each other and then put them on top of a human being. I was like, hey, look, the light came on. It's making a circuit. Well, it looks like everything's going well and perfectly. Meanwhile, Vine Guy enters the science center and the way that he it, again it's just so this is this is probably one of the chintzier effects i think it looks really good though i really it does look it. really good it's a question of lighting and scale because mm. what they do is they take a little teeny tiny teeny tiny version of vine guy well they start with big guy and he's like here i go and then it cuts to a little teeny tiny version of vine guy and a little teeny tiny set and the <laughs> film is basically and what somebody did is somebody took vine guy a uh, little teeny tiny vine guy and boop pushed him up <laughs> through the fake floor yep. and then ran that footage backwards yep. so not only is vine guy jumping into the earth but it seems like the earth is like already open and closed itself around him. So basically he just goes boop, 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 boop into the earth and it closes around him. And then he's inside the science center and the ground goes boop, 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 boop. And little <laughs> tiny vine guy comes back up yeah. and it is, it's so cute. I love, I love practical it. effects so much. Me too. Me too. And then he covers science center with vines and it's bad. Big floppy vines. Just be, and everybody gets hit in the face with vines. And uh, Chang is still doing science stuff to Reina. Everybody fights the vines. Uh, and now another lovely effect. We see that Reina's bones are turning into <laughs> science bones. And they do that by like Terry Gilliaming uh, <laughs> cut out animation of just sort of like flashing it over his legs as if to say this 
is in his leg now and it's uh yep and it's adorable it's kind of ultra boy uh, ultra boy or not astro boy yeah yeah. Oh, yeah 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 except fleshy except it would make yeah except it would make more sense if it was being overlaid over animation rather than a human body <laughs> because it's animation it looks like animation like it's it just it's it's great but it gets the point across oh it i am not hating on this movie mm -hmm. i love every frame back upstairs vines are flopping around they do the same reverse footage trick with one of the guys <laughs> who's like it, it, clearly they recorded him jumping over a console and then they played it backwards so he's like ah oh, i've been hit also the texture on these vines is really interesting because it's like tempera paint well one of the things i like about this movie is that because it's not a japanese production and because it's got a bigger budget than any japanese like tv tokusatsu thing that it's playing off of there there's just the interesting aesthetic differences and stuff and like these vines they don't look expensive per se but they do look better than the cheap vines you would see on common rider or ultraman they have a real heft and a real i don't know i just like them i mean i can't really explain it but i just like these are different vines than i'm used to and i'm into it Corey, I'm very excited for you to see a very nice print of this film uh, at your leisure because it's just uh, like Anna was saying, the lighting, the colors, the texture of everything. Like it is an incredibly tactile and weirdly huggable movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Driller Guy, especially, even though he's got a big drill hand, you really just want a spoon with that guy. Maybe it's just me. They do look a little soft, like squishy. Yeah. Like there's, there's uh, a bit of give on a lot of yeah. the mutants. Speaking of mutants, okay, <laughs> yeah. I was slightly upset during this whole sequence with the vines because this is not octopus mutant behavior. <laughs> no! <laughs> you noticed that. Yeah, I was like, wait a second, I thought that guy was an octopus. So what was the logic behind naming an obvious plant guy and an obvious spider guy? octopus monster and beetle monster like what what was even the point they just didn't because they just didn't care because this was done it seems like it would be so much easier like you would have to think less i'm assuming two levels of translation maybe they just didn't watch the movie and they're like what does this look to you i guess i don't know octopus monster you're both right i think you're both right here is here is my alternate theory about the uh, octopus monster at least octopus is scarier than vines I honestly think they just wanted to catch. I'm just saying, like, it's more okay. of a monster. I, I, I guess. But I, I think we're all sort of right in that they didn't care. They did this in 20 minutes or because <laughs> it was 1994, they did this in four hours um, because anything, any video editing was still fucking impossible. And they did it as quickly and cheaply as possible. And they maybe didn't even look at translations. It was an intern who was given the film and went, that's a beetle. That's an octopus. That's a princess. Who cares? We're done. <laughs> but it's not octopus behavior. That is vine guy behavior. God damn it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, clearly. So vine guy knocks out all of the power. In addition to all the other crazy commotion he's causing, he knocks out all the power. And Professor Chang gets on the horn. Is like, you have one minute to fix the reactor, or else Raymond's gonna die. <laughs> and everything is lost. And <laughs> you're gonna be next in the crucifixion machine. So there is, of course. One lever across the room, and the guy, one guy hears that this lever has to be pulled, so yep. he begins to crawl across the screen because he must pull that lever. 
And he reaches it and pulls it with zero issues. It's fine. <laughs> I think he gets knocked around a little. No, he, he gets knocked around a little. He gets knocked around a little, and then another science guy comes <laughs> in with the real hero of this movie, a fucking circular saw. So, so there's a line earlier where somebody's, so, where I think the same guy's like, "I'll go get the weapon," at least in my translation, and I, and he runs away, Perfect. and I'm pretty sure he comes back with the saw. The issue is he cuts the end of the vine off, and then the vine's like, "I'm just gonna spout water everywhere, all over your electronics, or acid, if you will." Sure. It might just be monster. It could just be monster juice. Well, a lot of the science equipment is very fragile and easily exploded. <laughs> uh, listen, listen, it's definitely corrosive, and I will won't hear it. Water's corrosive. It's, it's more corrosive than water. You know what, you two? Get me a printout. <laughs> oh, okay. The, on the t- on the vine on the vine tentacle juice. I'll be right back, Professor. They take a Makita, they chop off the arm, and they pull the lever, and everything is saved for the minute. Uh, and then there's some more science stuff, and some more animation, and some more pata and zing and bab, and then boom! The vine grows its 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 tip back that got sawed off. Oh yeah, this vine monster's not b- defeated yet. It's merely oh, been God, held no. back for a second because Inframan is now Inframan. He's been Inframan. It worked, and it seems <laughs> like he did not struggle or scream or suffer any of the aforementioned many torments of hell. And now's a great time to tell him the features of his brand new vehicle. He's <laughs> functionally indestructible. You know, like as far as I can tell, Inframan's indestructible. Yeah, thunder. Yeah. Fire, yeah. Water, hella strong. Giant bug eyes. Yep. Uh, he's got points. He's got points on his head. He he's looks like head. he. I mean, he definitely looks. My limited knowledge. I was like, oh, yeah, that motherfucker looks like Infra, or not Inframan. Looks like uh, Common Rider. It. Come on, Anna. Bug eyes. It's got two big bug eyes. He does have two big bug eyes. It's definitely like not full blown. Oh, you knocked off Common Rider, but also they got like. Common writer people to design the suit. So there's definitely a lineage for sure. But it does it I will say he looks distinctly inframan rather than like they just like took common writer stronger and put a better helmet on it. Oh, 100 percent I'm just saying there's strong ass influ- for again from oh, yeah. the common writer that I've seen. Yeah. Anyways, look, he's full of power and energy. He can see and hear through walls. So he does. And he's like, oh shit, that vine's attacking. I should probably go do something about that. Oh, I knew I forgot to tell you something. What's up? Sorry. There's there's vine monsters attacking upstairs. Uh, let me just open the, the ceiling here so you can fly <laughs> fly away. Yep. Yeah. Why don't you jump into the air, do some backflips maybe, and also fly. Definitely get used to seeing those backflips. Uh, because definitely they the uh, they are not afraid to uh they tried to plus in many ways the tokusatsu type shows, but one thing that they stuck with is that the henshin sequence. You're going to get that repeated two or three mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. in the exact order. Uh, mm-hmm. So he flips around and then he does that adorable, uh, like 1950s adventure of Superman flying on his tummy kind of shot. Yep. Yep, and yep. then it's time to it's time to fight. And everybody who's standing around watching this monster uh, tearing down points up at the sky and goes, it's Inframan. He's here, even though this is the first time. That anyone has seen Inframan, and I don't know if the professor has mentioned the Inframan project ever, but they just know it's Inframan. I can only assume. He's been working on this thing for like a decade. He keeps talking. Every time a new intern shows up, he's like, hey, listen, I may need you to undergo excruciating pain. I'll 
I'll let you know. That's why Raymond didn't hesitate. Like, he's already had the speech like 10 times. <laughs> he's been in that crucifixion chamber so many times, and then it's been called off. This is part of the orientation for Science Center. When you get there, it's like, oh, by the way, and you may be one day asked to suffer the torments of hell. And they go, torments of hell, got it. Inframan uses his aforementioned X-ray vision to find the vine creature's heart. Mm -hmm. And he shoots his weapon at it. And the guy goes, ah, and then gets real small again. And then they <laughs> run around in the woods and they do Kung Fu at each other. Okay. So this is something I did want to say, and I'll just, I'll say it here, but it more or less holds true for all the fight scenes in this movie with limited exception is that. So I was like, okay, this is a Shaw brothers, Tokusatsu take. I'm expecting these fight scenes to be like on par with like, you know, a Shaolin Kung Fu feature or something. These scenes are like literally no different than like the fight scenes in common rider they are of exactly the same well now that being said the fight scenes in in, in common rider and sentai are extremely good because god bless sunny chiba but yes. these don't like I, I was like oh they're gonna take advantage of having all these like guys who know how to do kung fu and this is gonna be some some next level and it's 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 the same level no 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 you see okay so Rama is a former gymnast and he's been working on this floor routine that's just forwards or backwards handsprings. I see. Okay. Was that in the dub? Yeah, yeah, the dub said that. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, okay. So my guess is Anna and that's a, that didn't even occur to me and that's a really good point. Here is my guess and it's twofold. One the TV shows and movies that he, that Shaw Brothers were ripping off, mm. the the fighting, the hand-to-hand -hand combat is fine, but nothing to write home about because that's not where they're putting their energies. So I feel like that's probably- How dare you like, say that about the Japan Action Club? My mistake. Um, but my other guess is that this was, this was an experimental film for the Shaw Brothers studio, which means that I've- I feel like, yes. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. I'm picturing Kenneth Angers in for Yes, they're going to show it in a basement. A young Derek Jarman was very inspired by it. <laughs> Only five people saw it, but they all made their own films. No, uh, th this was a this was a big swing and they did not. So while all of the money went into the special effects and having it look amazing, I feel like all of their top talent, all of their top fighting talent, because Shaw Brothers were making like 6,000 movies a year. Oh, they were unavailable. So I don't think anybody was available. And I think they were just like, no, we're just going to do. Now, it's interesting. One of the guys in the movie did go on to be a martial arts sort of star. But we'll get there in a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bruce La. Bruce La? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say, uh, in support of your, this is an experimental film thing, this monster has some very experimental powers where sure. they do hand-to-hand yes. -hand combat and then Inframan tries to, you know, grapple, do the moves, and then the octopus starts teleporting. Mm hmm Yep. And then Inframan shoots it out of the sky with lasers and drops it on fire and burns it to death. Yep. And, the, and that's a wrap on Octopus Vine Monster. Inframan has heat darts. Foo, 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 foo. Yep. So uh, that's one monster down. Farewell, sci-fi monster. Uh, hey, remember, hey, friends, remember that guy who got kidnapped? Remember him? No. 
No. Well, there was a guy, the guy in the VW bug who got flipped over and. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. he's, he's the guy that's down in the volcano layer right now talking to Princess Dragon Mom. He's, he's like, why am I not dead? Why haven't you just killed me? I expected to be dead by now. <laughs> that's, a, that's the other thing I ask myself every day when I wake up. <laughs> why am I not dead? Why? Right. Why indeed? Uh. But Princess Dragon Mom has other plans for this gentleman. She's like, uh-uh, I'm going to brainwash you. And they put him in They put him in the exact chair that Mel Brooks puts Kermit the Frog in in the Muppet yeah. movie. Yeah. I yeah, honestly yeah. love this sequence. Like, uh, First off, there's a display behind his head of a skull and there's like a giant death laser that she demon points at his brain and we get to see kind of it invading his skull and brain through the, the use of the display it's so great there's a little porthole and we see all of it it's great and that the brainwashing methodology is that they connect his memory nerves to his other nerves and then he's brainwashed and then like to finish it all off you got to give him green glowy eyes yeah yeah and, and make yeah. him look like he hasn't slept in a week yes no one would notice him in the in current society he would just look normal back at science center the professor tells inframan hey that was great out there and for that you've been such a good inframan and a good science boy now you can have thunderball fists and he's like <laughs> hey thanks yeah such such technology exists yep just as in the last 20 minutes yep but it's not ready yet why why didn't i give them to you right away because i just made them up <laughs> yeah i just made i up. need some time to put the finishing touches on them they don't have quite enough spikes yet and while they're talking about this mr brainwash comes back and nobody notices that he looks <laughs> brainwashed they're just like hey where have you been you look real sleepy you should go to the dispensary and have a beautiful lie down and he's totally like Yes, I am fine. I am not brainwashed. I am doing great. Stayed on the planet of the brain slugs of his own accord. Uh, this is actually the tactic that I used when I was living at home and I was in a bad relationship and I was sad all the time, but I didn't want to talk about it. Yes, everything is fine. I feel good. I'd go down to my room, but I'd have to go through like the family room where everyone was watching TV and my mom would take one look at me and be like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm just tired. And I'd go downstairs. And then you would like flash your green eyes and your mom yeah. would like scream and fall yeah. against a wall and then i don't know face melt maybe they wouldn't remember it though they wouldn't remember that's that. the important thing they wouldn't remember it they'd be they'd be a they'd be all right the next day but there's definitely like a period in the 90s that none of my family can really remember well rayma's like hey something is up with that guy's eyes oh well and yeah. uh mr brainwash goes down the hall flashes his green glowy eyes at a, at a guard <laughs> And the guard screams, drops his pistol, and uh, Mr. Brainwash steals his pass card, I guess, opens up just a random side door. From his dick. I really want to point <laughs> out that this guy keeps his ID card literally right next to his dick because oh. <laughs> Mr. Brainwash sticks his hands right down the front of his pants in a way True. that made me want to like call Science Center HR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, friends, though, it is not. It is not an ID card. It is a metal punch card that he uses. I like punch cards and I like it when they're metal. The door slides open and he picks the guards up by his feet and drags him into this room. Also, the science center has like some real good sound baffling or something, because like you can be directly under a vine fight and you can't hear it. And the guy can scream like the, as much as he wants and no one hears him. It's good soundproofing. Well, look, science is noisy. Well, I guess if you expect somebody to be enduring the torments of hell, you probably don't want everyone hearing him screaming. 
Yeah, you want to keep that damned. Um, oh, yeah. And then Mr. Brainwash uh, opens up a safe and uh, takes out uh, what we will come to find out are the schematics to build your very own Inframan at home. And this will be very relevant for sure. Never. Is mm-hmm. never. It's relevant. an important plot element that we spend a lot of time on. He unrolls the schematics. He looks at the schematics, starts taking some picky picks of the schematics. And then the guard wakes up and he's like, what what are you doing now now some rando is walking around in the hallway sees the pistol on the ground opens the door the guy is lying on the ground right there (laughs) he's like what happened he points he's like i'm just too tired to get up right now or like turn my head i'll just i'll just point at the the guy responsible isn't Rayma the one who comes in not around not Rayma. yes you're right no it is not Rayma. i believe i actually believe well this one's the lieutenant wait it's, it's bruce le that's Bruce Le. So we'll t- so we'll talk about him real quick. Bruce Le. This is 1975. Bruce Lee passed away in 1973, and immediately a cottage industry popped up in the Hong Kong uh, film industry of what they call Bruce exploitation movies, where they basically found just a guy, many guys who looked enough sort of like Bruce Lee, and they gave them names like Bruce. Uh, in this case, it was Bruce L.E., Bruce L.I., Bruce with four E's, Bruce with two O's, you know, anybody. They made hundreds, legit hundreds of fake mistake Bruce Lee pretend movies. My favorite one being Bruce Lee fights his way out of the grave where Bruce Lee dies, goes to the afterlife, and has to fight alongside Popeye and James Bond. And this is a live action movie and it's real. Is it as good as that sounds or is it disappointing? I don't know how to answer that because Hmm. it is a movie where fake Bruce Lee (laughs) and fights fake James Bond and Popeye and Popeye is in it. The thing is, I can't tell if if that's fun or I'm just going to be like, why am I watching this? I I have seen this. Uh, I don't know where the hell the theater got the print, but I have managed to see it. And I will say this, if you do come across it, a very heavy and deliberate fast forward thumb. Hmm. And you just you just sort of zizz through it, but like the shit in it is un it's fucking unbelievable. Listen, <laughs> I've, I, I'm sure I've seen worse. They they made a gentleman dress up as Popeye. Yeah, Robert Altman did that, and everybody disliked it too. Um, <laughs> True. Anyways, so that's so that's Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee is in this. He doesn't have a lot to do. He does a little kung fuing later, but mm-hmm. he's and so there's and so now we have a motorcycle chase because it's because if you're ripping off Common Rider, you gotta have a motorcycle chase. And the music is a bop. They go into this like jazzy, funky. They use some music from Ultraman and Common Rider, I believe according they to the do. wikipedia article they do yes according to the wikipedia article jen was trying to find the soundtrack to this because she was enjoying the the jazzy bop so much which i thought was adorable it's great there's a big fight on the side of a hill and this is where bruce Lee gets to use a little of his kung fu but it's not super impressive but it's nope. fine uh and then a uh, big red spider guy and uh and then the skull head henchmen they show up and science guy holds his own as is mm-hmm. the tradition of these shows, which is to mm-hmm. say, even if you don't have a super suit, if you know a little Kung Fu, you can do okay. But it is is definitely the kind of fighting where if you chop someone in the shoulder, they go down. 
Yes. <laughs> these, yes. These skeleton guys, like if you look at them funny, they expel their all their red smoke and fall over. Oh, they're storm they're stormtroopers. They are absolutely stormtroopers. Fight, fight, fight. Inframan shows up. They all fight Spider Guy. But then what the credits call the laser horn monster. And you know what? Fair dues. He is a laser horn monster, but yep. he also is real fuzzy. He's got like crazy <laughs> long hair. He and Inframan do a, a spatium beam versus laser yep. horn yep. fight. And turns yep. out laser horn monster has two lasers, which beats the one laser that Inframan has. That's math. Uh, and then, <laughs> quick maths. Uh, and then, uh, then a little more fighting. And then uh, they fight in a lake. And then Inframan blows him up in a lake real bad. Yeah. Farewell. Oh boy, oh boy. This is one of, like, again, like, when I'm watching this, I'm, like, because it's so tokusatsu, every time there's, like, a really good, competent special effect, it, like, blows my mind a little bit. I'm like, man, that's a good water explosion. They probably yeah. spent money on that yeah. instead of just... Like getting a guy to throw a stick of dynamite in the lake and calling it a day. And I got to say, I'm so thrilled that you enjoyed this, mostly because everything I bring to the show, I want people to enjoy. But more importantly, I know that you are not necessarily a fan of anything before, say, 1992. Tokusatsu is a bit of an exception because I do find older stuff quite charming. Oh, okay. Ah, then it's just the anime. Now it's Spider Monster's turn. And he definitely has webs, so he's not a beetle. And he gets large like spiders do. Yes. Um, and whatever they did to achieve this perspective. Oh, they brought in. I read. I forget where I read this. I don't think it was in the Wikipedia, but they actually brought in camera and effects stuff from the U.S. Like mm. they, they imported stuff because this it's if it's forced perspective or it's a blue screen, I don't know. But little tiny Inframan and great big spider guy occupy the same screen and it looks real fucking it's good. Really good. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like honestly took me back to being a kid where I'm like, I don't know how they did this. You know, when I was a kid, and I'm sure Josh and probably Corey can relate to this as well, you guys, but I really was into learning about how special effects were done. Because 100%. it was like magic and I read all these books and it was just like when you, and learning how they were done didn't ruin them is like, oh, man, they did all this weird, amazing stuff to make this work. And now when I look at a movie and I'm, I don't wonder how they did it, I'm like, oh, that's CGI. Yeah, no, that's the reason I watched The Shining was because of the effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just really, really miss that. It's uh, and and just as a side note, because I have friends who work in VFX and CG, and that's it's still labor intensive. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. People are doing people are doing a lot of work and not getting paid a ton. But yes, there is something about the tactileness, mm -hmm. about the way the light hits something that's really there on screen. And yes, when it looks shitty. It looks super shitty. And mm -hmm. if the only way that you can see this is in the 1990s on a VHS tape, like the version that Corey watched, you're going to say, this looks worse than fucking Power Rangers. This sucks. <laughs> it did make me think of Power Rangers because Princess Dragon Mom and Rita are like oh, yeah. twins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <sighs> that's a rip them off. It's got to be. I heart, I heart Bandora, which is, which is Rita's Japanese name. Listen, do we have 15 minutes for me to just talk about how much I love Pandora? No, we don't. No, we'll, save, we'll save that for the Patreon. Um, 
<laughs> we don't have one. If we if we meet if we get five hundred subscribers, I will I will record a fifteen minute rant about how much I love Pandora. So Inframan Ultraman's it up to be on a same size scale as the giant spider bug, and then uh, kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Yep, they punch and fight. Uh, Inframan throws giant spider invasion into uh, a local power plant, uh, which makes him get real small. Um, and also, I'm going to assume, knocks out power for hundreds, <laughs> if not thousands of miles around. But Probably. I guess nobody's worried about that. Science World has its own reactor. Right, they got the big and they pulled the lever already. And everybody's dead for miles anyway. And then uh, the spider gets real small, and Inframan, who's still real big, Squishes him, and Green Goo comes out. I love this more than I can actually express. This is always one I want to see. The body language of the spider looking up at giant Inframan and the feats and the slow march forward as the yes. spider tries to skedaddle and then the squish. Yeah. And they just how much goo. It's yeah. pretty gross. It's great. Like it's gross in a kids' movie way because it's just green goop, but it's still kind of gross. Oh yeah, no, it's like I, I don't know if you all had these. Did you have the Skull Crushers candies? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. So Corey, uh, Skull Crushers were a 1980s white chocolate skull-shaped candy. Came one to a package, you know, a 25 cent deal, and it was filled with pink nougat goo. Ah. <laughs> And so what you did is you took either a safety pin or, uh, you know, uh, the uh, end of a paper clip and you poked little tiny holes in the skull sockets. And then you applied gentle pressure to the back of the skull crusher, making little snakes of goo come mm-hmm. out of the skull's eyes. And then you ate it and then everybody went, Ew, and it was great. <laughs> Anyways, that's kind of what mm-hmm. this was like, only with green goo. It looked delicious. I'm not going to lie, actually. The spider guy getting squished, I was like, I don't know why this kind of looks yummy. Well, it did look, so, it did look like a Play-Doh guy who got stepped on that had goo in it, and I really liked it. I, I used to have a caterpillar squishing contest with my cousin oh, God. during the yearly tent caterpillar invasion. So uh. there, that's some pretty visceral memory flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Ten caterpillars are like my least favorite living creature. Dragon Mom's least favorite living creature isn't alive. It's dead spider guy because she's furious that he's been murdered. Uh, So Lumpy Guy and Mr. Brainwash go back to destroy the science center once and for all as uh, Princess Dragon Mom looks at the Inframam schematics and goes, hmm, yes, hmm, schematics, yes. Mm. I'm going to make me an evil Inframan to fight this Inframan in the sequel, which will surely get me. Now we meet three entirely new characters that we have not seen up until this point. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we saw them very briefly. Maybe. And if you were wondering, wait a minute, this is a, this is like a kaiju slash tokusatsu hybrid type movie. But what? where are the little annoying squeaky voice children? Well, good news, everybody. <laughs> that check just arrived in your mailbox. Now we meet the three children of Professor Beardo Science, an eldest daughter uh, who appears to be 25, but we are told is 15, a young snot-nosed like 10-year-old kid, and then a little squeaky-voiced little girl kid. They're all just sitting around outside as the world around them 
is being destroyed and set on fire uh they're just like go play go professor yeah. was like go have a good time out there they hang out here all the time turns out the professor's their professor daddy scenic side of the hill by the science lab yep mm -hmm. and the boy one is of course like <laughs> hey let's go over here let's go on adventures and do stuff and the girls are like we're just gonna sit you know well the good the, the littlest girl is no shrinking violet before the little boy shows up her and her older sister are sitting there and the little girl's like that inframan he's so slick daddy tells me that one day he might make an infra girl and if he does that then i'm going to be infra girl hmm. yeah the older sister is just like well you'll have to experience hell so maybe rethink that a little bit later you have to have these specific qualities i sat in on the orientation and asked I understand that I will suffer the term tell. And now the punk brother pops up and he's like, Booga Booga. Rah! See, you're such a scaredy cat. You could never be in for girl because you're too scared. Scaredy cat. And then they run each other and they chase each other and they do stupid kid stuff. And then they find a cave. Yeah. And this is brother's opportunity to be like, I'm very brave. Do you think there's monsters in here in a world where monsters really exist? <laughs> Only one way to find out. That's by being a dumbass who goes into a cave that definitely wasn't here yesterday. And the older sister is like, little, little infra girl, you wait here. No, don't stop. Come back, come back, come back. And she chases after the brother. Meanwhile. <laughs> Sorry, just thinking about Drill Beast. Yeah, he's he's marching back and forth like I'm having fun being evil. She loves it. Uh, they break into the science center, uh, science center, and uh, Mr. Brainwash has just a cartoonishly <laughs> giant mess of Warner Brothers cartoon yeah. TNT. Like it is, yeah. it is beautiful. It's just missing the big white TNT Acme, you know, TNT on the side. God, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And Punk Brother walks into this room and sees them and is like, whoa, time to back off a little bit. But then there's a <laughs> lizard and it jumps on his face. And so he has to reveal himself to the bad guys. It's just a cute widow iguana. It's probably just going to be friends. So they tie him up. And then they tie up his sister, too, because she, she shows up. Well, yeah, yeah, older sister crawls in and is like, oh, no, you've been tied up. And they're like, well, guess what? Now you get tied up, too. And then they're going to light the fuse and it's bad. Meanwhile, the littlest daughter is just kind of wandering around in neutral space. Uh, and that is where <laughs> Rayma finds her. Is like, well, you look sad. Hang on. What if a flipums? And he does some flips for her. And she's like, you have to stop that. I'm sad because where's my brother and sister? They're probably in a cave. I don't know. In the dub, she's like, I'm bored. It sucks out here. They wouldn't let me go in the cave. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Inframan is like, oh, a cave? Mm. And uh, then Lumpy Guy and Mr. Brainwash, they light the fuse and they run. And it's the slowest burning fuse in the world. Rayma finds the tied up sister and brother and sees the TNT with the ever shrinking, ever burning fuse. Yeah. And instead of wetting his thumb and forefinger <laughs> yeah. and just going, besits. Maybe, maybe just like wrapping it around and pulling it out. Like so many options. Step on it. 
It's step on it. It's still fire. It still obeys the laws of physics. If you don't give it oxygen, it goes away. No, 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 no. Uh, I think what if an elaborate transformation sequence with some backflips mm-hmm. and then you just pick up the TNT in your hands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you, you jump and then you throw it. Uh, that's an, I guess that's an option. And that is what happens. There's no shin like a henshin. They uh, they just they do all of that. And it's the <laughs> longest is the longest process. And in real life, everyone's dead. Yes. Well, Inframan might have survived because he's fire resistant. He's functionally invincible. Yeah, he would be surrounded by the charred corpses of all he loves. But I guess when all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. It's true. Princess Dragon Mom is real mad about this again. She spends a lot of time in the... She's never happy in the movie. She just spends a lot of time being mad about various things. Mm, I think she's occasionally happy, like when she's when she's kidnapped a daughter or so. Oh, that's mm. true. Inframan and Professor Chang are now testing out his Thunderball fists, which shoot a million volts. <laughs> per second. Or no, per wait, per, per square inch? Per centimeter? It's a weird thing to try and measure with linear measurement yeah 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 yeah. which is why you you have to do some practical tests you gotta put put on your new thunderball gloves and then maybe just shoot that thing over there you know it's not definitely not a reactor so so are you okay so the thing is that I thought the Thunderbolt clubs was like, they have spikes on them, I thought they'd generate like electricity and shoot electricity, but the Thunderbolt clubs go flying off his hands. Yeah. Like, like a freaking, like, the entire robo or something. Not only yeah. does he have a rocket punch, but they have these cool blades that come out and can just cut anything. He's like laser blades. They must have been inspired by when a dude ran in with the Makita to uh, chop up the vine monster. Oh, God, Pro- so. Professor Science must have been like, yeah, you know what, let's throw a couple of those in. And then they, so he tests them on this giant onyx ball, which the professor helpfully says, uh, it's the hardest material in the world. It is a ball of South African diamond dust that has been fused in a nuclear reactor. That's not my translation said, but. Oh, what did, what did they say? I don't, it was, it was gobbledygookier than that. It also said that was the most strongest, which I like. And then Jen and I had this this surprisingly lengthy conversation about how it can't be the strongest material if the Super Thunderbolt gloves can destroy it. And I was like, it's the strongest material until proven otherwise. Yeah. And then we had this conversation about whether you could throw a pillow with enough force that it could go through a wall. And I don't think you I don't think accelerating something that is soft is going to get is is going to like allow it to like go through like a brick or something. I don't think that's how science works. You have to do the practical experiments. What you're saying is I need a cannon and some pillows. I mean, if you drop a pillow off the Empire State Building, it's going to kill somebody, right? No, it doesn't hit terminal velocity. And if it hits terminal velocity, it's probably going to like explode or burn up or something. I don't think it's going to have enough kinetic force to smash (laughs) through a wall, no matter how fast it's going, unless it literally accelerates to the point where it's the words of literal atoms. I might have used terminal velocity wrong. Terminal velocity is just where the air resistance is enough to like counter gravity. Like it's, it's, that's as fast as you possibly can go. Yeah. You can't accelerate faster. But that's not the same as re entry. That's not, you don't, 
become on fire. It's terminal velocity is the fastest something can go. It's just the fastest something can go with only the assistance of gravity. So you're attaching rockets to your pillow. I'm not saying we're going to drop this thing. I'm saying we're going to accelerate it to the point where the friction is so bad that the pillow is going to catch on fire. Nothing's catching on fire. You're the only one who's talking about something catching on fire. Okay. Even in a vacuum, I don't think you can accelerate a pillow fast enough that it smashes through a brick wall without it disintegrating in some way first. Why are we talking about this? Whose fault is this? Because we do this. But my point is, okay, so maybe it can't go through a wall. Anna, I say this. I'm at the top of the Empire State Building. You're standing mm-hmm. on the ground. I'm saying I'm going to drop a pillow. Are you going to stand out of the way or are you going to stand there and let it hit you? Well, I'd rather stand out of the way, but I... But I sure hope that you scream pillow fight before you drop it. (laughs) Or else, why are we even here? You know what, everybody? This has made me a little sleepy. And (laughs) this whole conversation, and it's good there's a pillow involved. And I'm not alone in this because even though there are monsters (laughs) destroying the world, after Professor Science and Rama test out the Thunderbolt gloves and go, "Mm -hmm, that works, strongest material in the world. Yep, blew it up, great. They go, all right, well, you've got your Thunderbolt gloves. Big day tomorrow. Let's get some rest. And you then know, ev- everybody goes for nappy times. Rest is important, Josh. You can't, you can't just keep going and going and expect to bring your best to your fight against uh, Princess Dragon Mommy later. Tell that to Professor Chang, who stays up looking <laughs> at his printout. He goes to, he goes to his... A very nice, like, sunken conversation <laughs> yeah. pit workroom. It's a man cave. His man, a literal man cave. He sits at his drafting table. He's like, huh, well, I'm sure his Thunderbolt fists. I wonder what else. Uh, and then his daughter runs in, and they have an incredibly boring conversation. <laughs> this is the conversation equivalent of the Cheer Up Charlie song in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And it is just and it is just there for children to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does say that the happiest day of his life was 15 years ago when his daughter was born. And I'm like, you have two other children. What well, the was, fuck, she, bro? She, she was there first, so I, you know. I hope you don't, you know, he tells the same story to all of his kids. I'm sure he does. But that 15 years ago is when his 25-year-old daughter yes. was born. She's at least no, 25, for no, sure. No way, shape, or form is this a 15-year-old. There's absolutely nothing to back me up on this, but just, like, she's obviously the love interest for Inferman, right? Even though they never do or express it in any way. I guess, but they really don't. I mean, it feels like kind of the same thing with uh, AG and Hina. uh, Oh, yeah. Or where nothing, where because this is ostensibly for little ones, there's Mm -hmm. never going to be ever anything else than like some pining glances and like maybe a handhold or something. But yes. I feel like the director's cut maybe has some of that. There's nothing doing. They have a sweet conversation. And then he's like, well, Betty Bye. (laughs) so she leaves goes to her room reads a normal thing for a bit and then all the lights go out so she stumbles around and kicks every piece of furniture in the science center (laughs) oh no here comes lumpy drill hands and here comes mr brainwash and they get her and they're like wait a second you're not the professor eh good enough i guess 
Yeah. Apparently he's gone and we're not going to look. We're not making two trips. <laughs> and then it's probably the next day and everyone's ready for yeah. the, the big science announcement from the professor. And he's just waiting for his daughter to come here. So he tries to buzz her on the intercom like mate, 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 mate. And then Princess Dragon Mom appears on the screen. She's like, your daughter's not going to answer, fool. I've kidnapped her. Dun, dun, dun. And she'll die unless you come here alone to Volcano Island. And we'll swap them out. And Rhea's like, okay, I'm going to go with you. And he's like, I, she said to go. You were all here. She said, go alone. And now, before my favorite piece of dubbing in this movie happened, and now we have my favorite scene in any motion picture ever. <laughs> we hear real jazzy little all of this movie soundtrack sounds like it could be an mf doom album we see a wide shot of a motorboat chugging along across the sea and then in the greatest three shot ever or in Corey's case because you watched a pan and scanned a two on one side and then a two on another side shot the professor, <laughs> Mr. Lumpy Drill Guy, and a bonehead guy are driving to Monster Island, and they're all just sort of sitting there staring into the middle distance. Lumpy Guy is driving, and they all kind of look like if you and your friends have been on a road trip and it went on just a little too long and you're not speaking they've been on that motorboat for 18 hours it kind of looks like they just put the lumpy drill guy suit in the boat without anybody in it it's got a real like empty quality to it it is the most beautifully framed shot i have to assume in as much as this movie doesn't really have a lot of gags they knew this was funny and they put this in because it's funny and it is so fucking funny. It's really funny. It's just great. It just looks like they're having a very long trip and they got sick of each other. You know, Josh, one thing I know about you is that you love making your own t-shirts. Have you ever considered making a t-shirt of that three shot? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't need it. Oh, it doesn't need anything, but it's yes. I, it is weird that that has never occurred to me. Thank you, Anna. MST3K 2017. 2007? No. What, what year was the, the reboot? 2017. That would be a fantastic way to get my ass handed to me by, uh, by genre fans. I'm surprised that MST3K has never done this film. I check. You know who's never going to give up the rights to anything for a couple of jerks <laughs> to make fun of it? Fucking the Shaw Brothers. They will never, they will never let go of this stuff. I don't think MST's ever done a Shaw Brothers picture. Oh. Toei's apparently fine with it. <laughs> Yes, that's who they because they've done like Time of the Apes. They've done Fugitive Alien. Uh, I don't know what their original titles were. They've done a few Godzillas. Yes. So they've done Toy. They've done Toho. Anything Sandy Frank, the American producer, got his hands on yeah, sure. to localize. That's what they got. So. Princess Dragon Mom says to She-Demon, teleport the daughter into the room. Poing! Because it, because basically, Professor's there now, and like, what do you want with me? Where's my daughter? Where's my daughter? Poing! And then it's like, look, you guys might not think I mean business, even though I'm a monster who lives with monsters in the side of a monster cave, and <laughs> that I've set half of the world on fire. <laughs> but just in case you need a little more convincing, boom! 
Mr. Brainwash falls into a pit of eternal damnation. Mr. Brainwash, come over here. And then an energy whip comes out of the wall. It picks him up and a trap door opens and they drop him. And it's like 50 feet into lava. You're going to have enough time while you're falling to realize what's happening and not be happy about it. The the entire time, Mr. Brainwash is just like, I was an asset. (laughs) I was on your side. You went through all that effort to brainwash me. (laughs) This is a waste of resources. And then he burns uh... ashes. Into ashes. Uh, Yes, there's nothing left of him but ashes. The laser whip is to me the worst part. Oh, it's so bad. No, not worst in that it looks bad because it looks fucking amazing. But it's just like, not only are we going <laughs> to drop you, but first, we're going to basically all but snap your neck. <laughs> you're not going to you're you're not going to drop at like the regular rate. We're going to fling you down there a little faster, but it's still far enough that you'll know. Spin you like a yo-yo. We really want you to go in head first. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then Princess Dragon Mom is like, all right, so unless uh, unless you listen to what I got to say, you, in the pit you go. And here's what's going to happen. You, What you got to do is you got to make me a new Inframan, I guess. I think she wants to be Inframaned, perhaps. They need him for something, but, but at the same time, she's like, but look, I have all of the blueprints. Yes. So pretty, pretty great, huh? She's got all the blueprints and she's noticed there's some problems. So she wants him to make a better Inframan. Ah, there you go. But Chang is like, it doesn't matter that you have the blueprints because I have made improvements that you do not have access to. Ha ha ha. Uh, and then Princess Dragon Mom is like, well, then, you know what I'm going to do? What Because what I learned from these blueprints is that your boy is powered by the sun. So I'm just going to fucking I'm going to block out the fucking sun. What do you think of that? And then we all sort of raise our hands and go, why were these blueprints stolen in the first place if you're not going to make a suit? And I guess it's to because of the sun thing, but like, and the second hand that we raise goes to like those of us who watched the dub where it said they inserted a nuclear reactor into his body. So he should be self-powered. Yeah. But no, the sun. No, the sun. You just block out the sun and, and he'll, he'll die. We will see that this strategy is maybe not as effective as she'd hoped. Yeah, he's got Thunderball gloves now. They do everything. Yeah, they do so much. Especially if you remember <laughs> to use them occasionally. <laughs> this is, honestly, this is what makes it really different from, from, from Sentai or Kamen Rider. Because in Sentai or Kamen Rider, as soon as the character had those gloves, that's all they'd use for the next, like, ten episodes. You'd be like, hey, remember when you used to have other abilities? Nope. Got gloves now. So Raina shows up at the uh, at the front door for Monster Island, Volcano, Mount Hell, whatever it is. Uh, and a minute to just wax about the set. It's just oh, great. It's it. so great. It's all of these like half buried giant monster skeletons, but they just all look a little better than... <laughs> When you see skeletons and stuff like this, it looks like it looks better. It's theme parky. It's like yeah. it's, it's theme park quality. It looks nice. This isn't exactly right, but it's got like kind of like a Sid and Marty Croft sort of vibe if they had more money. But gooder and in like and shot well and lit well. But it's not mm-hmm. it's not trying to be realistic. It's trying to be fun. Yeah. And it is fun. So much yeah. fun. 
And there's like a thousand science guys with their little tiny pistols and a thousand skeleton ghosts with their sticks that have a giant ball on them. Yes, that yep. sometimes maybe explode. But mostly they're just ball sticks. You gotta throw them right. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, and then everyone fights. Uh, everyone fights real hard. Uh, Raina still doesn't hench in, and it's one of those things, and this is actually, this is a, this is a thing from the Roger Ebert review. Uh, another thing that I carried with me is that uh, in the review, Roger Ebert says, everybody in the movie suffers from John Carter syndrome, uh, inspired by the old John Carter of Mars, uh, mm -hmm. Edgar Rice Burroughs books, where people would chase each other across the plains of Mars for like days and days, and then remember that they have laser guns and just shooting each other and so i say all of this because it's like if inframan is the most has all the powers of jesus christ and superman and fucking everybody put together why would he walk into any dangerous situation not as inframan anna yes your hands up i have two explanations for this textual non-textual textually He's stupid. Maybe I only have non-textual <laughs> text. Uh, no, you know, text textually, it's just like you know, he wants to he wants to warm up a little, maybe. Um, non-textually, it's so that the actual actor gets to show that he can do some fighting stuff before he suits up. Boy, that's smart. Boy, that should have occurred to me. Huh. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Listen, if you you haven't watched five billion hours of Sentai and Common Rider to see this happen, no, but it always it always happens. It always it happened in every goddamn episode of Common Rider that we watch. Like he'd do a little fighting out of costume, and then like, all right, I better I better show these guys I mean business. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's so he gets his face on the screen. That makes sense. All right, so everyone fights. Reina uh, absolutely just pastes uh, lumpy drill hands with his motorcycle. Yeah. And I went all a little because I like mm -hmm. that guy. He's, he's fine. Dumb. It's okay. He's yeah. fine. He's fine. <laughs> Doesn't face him at all. Release the clouds. Well, he 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 pastes Lumpy Droll Man, and then he tries to like scale the mountain to get in, and then Emperor Doom shows up and hisses a lot and breathes fire in a jet. <laughs> a very short jet. It's a very narrow. <laughs> it's great beam of fire it's really good it's really yeah. really good i will say this i don't like many of the descriptions that they came up with for the <laughs> monsters in the 94 good times uh fake mistake version emperor of doom mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a pretty good name and then drill beasts back in the fight and now it's time to bring out Inframan because it's really hard to like not catch on fire. It surely is. It's yes. like maybe not being physically able to be on fire would be an asset in this fight. But he has to do like five handsprings and then a front flip. Well, sure. That's how you mention. And this is then where they release the clouds. Sorry, I had a little premature uh, cloud releasing earlier. The clouds are released. The skies turn as black as sackcloth. Uh, and it is a real spooky you know it's a spooky effect it looks good that's some good dark mm -hmm. black smoke mm -hmm. too bad it doesn't appear to do a goddamn thing you see they didn't account for the part where inframan attached sparklers to the bottoms of his feet these monsters all have one weakness and that's being kicked in the face <laughs> with sparking shoes so that's my weakness too that's weird yeah. that we have that in so, common so i mean i mean a this is this is just common writer this is just rider kick and b because the sparkles come of the bottom of his shoes it looks like he's going the wrong way it like does. he should be being blasted yeah. backwards that's amazing <laughs> 
And it's just confusing every time I see it, but in a delightful way. Look, Princess Dragon Mom's not happy about any of this. She blacked mm. out the goddamn sun, and she's getting no satisfaction. <laughs> Inframan shows up and is immediately captured. He's just like, now we got you. And they drop him in the fire pit. It happens very quickly, uh, and he does not die. No, he's good. I wondered why he didn't use his powers of flight. But probably to surprise her to be like, I'll let him think that I died, but I will come back when it's up. Or he's like original Superman and he only actually has jump powers. We've seen him fly. But he, had, he jumped first when he did that. Oh, you're saying he has to get a running start on his flight. You got to work up into mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. um, and now uh, Princess Dragon Mom is like, all right, that asshole's dead. You build an Inframam for us. And Chang's like, I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna. And Princess Dragon Mom is like, oh, okay, put him in the ice cave. You're gonna turn into ice monsters in three days. And now the clock is ticking. No, I honestly love this because she's like, okay, now you're gonna hibernate in this fridge for a while and I'm gonna wake you up and ask you if you help me. And this is gonna keep going until you say yes. I just, for thousands of years, you're just gonna go to sleep. And then you'll wake up and I'll ask you if you build me an Inframan and then you say no and I'll put you back to sleep. And that's going to be the rest of your life. Wow, that's actually way creepier. Mine, mine, she was just like, I'm putting you in this cave and in three days you're going to be ice monsters. Hope you like that. Now I'm curious. I have to assume that that was a change they made for the localization, right? Maybe. I mean, I remember that part. I don't remember. Yeah, that's how I remember the, the subtitles. But again... I cannot overstate how dodgy these <laughs> subtitles really are. Were they mechanical? I don't think so because there's too many idiosyncrasies in them for them to just have been like, and I don't think they were done at a point in time where that was feasible. I think, uh, some, good point. I think somebody did a, like a real half-assed, like I'm contractually obligated to do these, but don't spend too much time on them. And like, don't worry too much about like parsing tenses or using the right words or anything just just make sure there's english on the screen that rough is roughly associated with the dialogue so that the british don't get mad yes as someone who watched many a jackie chan uh, mm -hmm. bootleg in grad school they're the worst they are they are they're not great. That's how I saw Drunken Master the first time. The first time I saw Jackie Chan's Drunken Master was with a janky subtitled bootleg, and I mm. it really affected my comprehension of the story. I actually like the dub version of, of Drunken Master. It's fun. You're talking about the first one, like the yeah. shop? The, the first one that explains how his whole power system works, where yeah. he has to drink, and then he fights good. Hot hot take is that I actually like Jackie Chan's kung fu work more than his stunt work. I mean, he's real good at both. He is really good at both. I I just I kind of wish he had kind of met in the middle a bit more instead of mostly like mostly switching over to doing big stunts and less to like punching guys in a cool way. I also think that's the industry. Uh, sure. Because, oh, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Because once you begin to get like, and I don't know a lot about this, but like Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung are kind of responsible and Golden Harvest were mm -hmm. kind of responsible for bringing back the Kung Fu movie because mm -hmm. it kind of got the Bruce exploitation kind of took the wind out of its sails and people wanted different kinds of movies. And Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung's big thing is that they brought comedy into it. Right. And so it became less about like, oh, check out these amazing techniques and more just like, look, an entire fucking house fell on Jackie Chan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's what I think it is, is that I saw like the police story and Return of Drunken Master or whatever. I saw that stuff first and I thought it was great. And then I saw him in like the older stuff. Like I saw Drunken Master basically. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And I think I just in 
enjoyed it more and I hadn't seen it. And I was like, well, I'd rather watch this. Drunken Master and Drunken Master 2 are astonishing. I sure. mean, they are they are great movies. The absolute skill of those stunt people that, that mm-hmm. are just game for yeah. every freaking thing. Yep. Oh. Uh, Jack, Jackie Chan, actually, on the first day of any new shoot, uh, says, you will suffer the torment of hell. <laughs> and his stunt team goes, yeah, absolutely. We know. You know what? You know what the best <laughs> Jackie Chan ever did? And I can't remember. I think this might be in the first police story, but it's right at the beginning and he's late for a meeting and there's a guy who's trying to park and he like side skits his car into the parking spot and just gets out and keep, and it, I, I think it's a single cut. So I think Jackie Chan, like, and unsurprisingly actually did this. And the guy who's waiting, basically he, all, all he can do is go like, wow, that was a really good parking job. He's not even mad. He's just depressed. And I just, that's my favorite thing. I got to go back and watch those. I think I think the police story movies are about to get a real if they haven't already a real sweet uh, Blu-ray release. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. We're in the we're almost done. We're almost done. Okay. blah, blah, blah. Suspended in an ice cave. Hey, guess what? Infrared's not dead. Infrared's fine. He's got all the powers of Jesus Christ and Superman and all three Beastie Boys. He's fine. <laughs> she demons like, but I got a laser cannon. And he's like, I'll kick it. And he kicks everything. Why do they have a laser? Why does it? I mean, I guess it's the brainwashing cannon has another setting, but it's like, were you expecting your lair to be invaded and to have this cumbersome laser device that you have to manually walk halfway across the room so that you can aim it properly if somebody moves out of the other half of the room? It's not like it's not real practical. Anna, all I can say is this. If they were yeah. better organized, <laughs> we would all be working for Princess Dragon Mom right now. I work for Princess Dragon Mommy. I'm fine with it. Me too. You have to stop calling her. I refuse. So the laser gun doesn't work, and she demon tries to fire with her her hand eye lasers, and then Inframan uses his fancy new wrist blades to cut her hands off in the most bloodless way possible. It's like a lightsaber; it cauterizes the wounds as it goes through. You can watch this movie with a five-year-old. I promise you, it's fantastic. Uh, this might need some explaining, uh, but like, oh, and then she, and then he pushes her into the lava pit. Yeah, and she die. She yeah, die. so she doesn't really have a lot of time to come to terms with the fact that she's handless and how that's going to affect her life going forward. And now the Iron Fist robots show up. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Slinky Mace boys. Yeah. <laughs> They got like morning star hands. They've got faces. They've got other arms and legs. All of these things come off. Yeah. 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 They they shoot their fists, not unlike Thunderbolt fists, but they're attached by boyoing slinkies. Yeah. And it's just so great. And they're so dopey. And these are the last monsters that yeah. Inframan fights. And these are supposed to be like the big the big boss. There's two of them. There's two of them. They're just so doofy. Yeah. They're so doofy. They're hard to defeat. And Inframan does, he does have a challenge. He does get knocked around by them. They must interview really well. Like, they must talk a really good game. <laughs> maybe they have, like, maybe they do it, like, they must interview together and they do all this fancy slinky stuff that's just distracting. They're just like, imagine Inframan tries to cut my head off. And I'm like, Boing! But then Inframan realizes that all he has to do <laughs> is just take their hands and their head and just mix them up real yep, good. Yep. <laughs> the downfall of every Slinky I've ever owned. Exactly. Like, he could have just passively waited for the Slinky to tangle itself. <laughs> Frankly. 
He could have just stood between them and ducked. And then Princess Dragon Mom is like, fuck, I don't know, man. Here's my freeze ray. Bzzz! And covers him and covers him in uh, tree flocking. And like, <laughs> if your grandma or aunt ever had like a can of that shit that you just spray on a tree that covers it in fake snow, two things. You probably have mesothelioma or some shit like that because that stuff's <laughs> you may not be great. Entitled to a compensation. You may be entitled to compensation. Yes. Yeah. No. This is this is fire extinguisher on the blob. Like he's he's a, a, a human popsicle, and you get several different shots where you can see either eye or nose holes. He's great. not resistant to ice. He's only resistant to thunder, water, and fire. And then his timing crystal starts to go off. Oh no, he only has one minute left before before he he dies because he's been Ultraman for too long. But then he has a flashback to a scene <laughs> I don't think we Didn't saw. Happen. Never happened. Professor Beardo's head appears in the corner of the screen, superimposed, <laughs> like it's like it's the graduation picture. Um, and he says, uh, Inframan, don't forget, <laughs> like I'm telling you right now, if you are find yourself frozen by liquid ice, which could happen yeah. in the unlikely event, <laughs> use your fire missiles. Yeah. And you won't be anymore. <laughs> Bye. I'm trapped in ice, by the way. <laughs> so he unfreezes himself. He fiddles with the little the little fire darts. and So he does that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he just does it. He rolled high and it worked. <laughs> Not 20. And then he kills the slinky robots once and for all. And then... It's the final showdown. <laughs> the final showdown happens. And this was a part of the movie. The first time I watched this movie, I was pretty convinced that I had died and the movie was never going to end. <laughs> it wasn't the, it wasn't the part where he was fighting the slinky monster and he kept punching and it kept bopping back up like a like a bop it or something and they did it like five That's times. Close. That was close. But <laughs> I was that like, was how many it. times are we going to do this, guys? God, you all have to watch this movie. Um, Princess Dragon Mom transforms into a dragon and Inframan uses his wrist blades again yep. to cut her head off seven times he cuts her head off the head grows back he cuts her head off the head grows back he cuts her head off the head grows back it's just heads on the floor that's the thing that's the best part they are cumulative yeah. and i was like is this a hydra situation is he gonna grow more like a larger number of heads is he fucking up or all the heads gonna grow bodies and now he's gonna gonna have to fight five of them and he's like no i guess i'll use a laser now instead and she just disintegrates in an energy wipe like <laughs> guys Corey, josh hi up, i don't i don't remember did did he ever actually use the gloves and fire them off and do something with them or did that just never happen she again punched someone he didn't shoot the gloves off his hand yeah he he, he remotely punched one person okay I couldn't remember, but it seemed like it was going to that sort of seemed like maybe it would be like, I don't know, your final blow kind of move instead of just the laser you already had for that for the whole movie. I will say this. This movie is beautiful and perfect. This final battle probably leaves a little to be <laughs> it's desired. A, a little anticlimactic. It's a little anticlimactic. It's a little like it doesn't really build to anything. It's just sort of like then he fights a monster, then he fights two monsters, then he fights a monster, and then the movie's over. But it's it's the journey. 
Yeah, it's the journey. He he pulls the professor and his daughter out of the freezer. The base is on fire and falling apart. Everyone gets on the boat, including the thousand science team members. <laughs> and just just to, you know, there's so many people a, on the boat. Put a lid on it, you know. Do you think the monsters will come back? We're safe as long as Inframan's in the world. The end. Yeah. There was supposed to be a sequel to this called Inframan. Uh, it didn't happen. Or else we'd talk about that next week. I would watch the hell out of that. I yeah. can only assume this movie didn't, underperformed because there are not 25 Inframan movies now. And obviously, and again, uh, please read that book about uh, I, uh, these fists break bricks. If you want to learn more about the Shaw brothers, please listen to podcasts like Twitch of the Death Nerve, where they're possessed of all earthly knowledge about genre films. But basically, Inframan did not do well. And with that, I don't think the Shaw brothers strayed too much from mm. formula to a couple of years later, they put out Mighty Peking Man which is wonderful and is part of the Arrow uh, Shaw Brothers box set volume it one. Is. I would not be surprised if Inframan was on volume two. That's like a King Kong by way of Kaiju movie. And that's also wonderful. Oh, and uh, I believe the fellow who plays Rama uh, from this is also in that. He was there. He was their go to guy for like, we're going to do something weird. But uh, it's a goddamn shame that they didn't make more of these because Shaw Brothers were really good at these. You got your Kaiju movies, which are which I kind of put in a different category because they're a real specific thing. And that like, they're not really the same as like an Ultraman or a Sentai or whatever. They're kind of their own thing, right. even though there are like still Tokusatsu. But they're not superheroes. No, this is the thing until Shin Kamen Rider comes out, there hasn't, or and Shin Ultraman also, but there has not been like a real honest to God, like budgeted movie for these franchises or for this type of thing and it's a goddamn treat to see one yeah there were two theatrical power rangers movies and those both stink oh yeah i don't count them count those the only real great thing is that there's a they might be giant song in the first one which took me by surprise when i saw it in the theaters for some reason i also saw it in the theaters because i was a big power rangers fan at the time i saw the second one in theaters too it was bad i was not a big fan but i was like a freshman or sophomore in college and i was like i'm drunk it's two in the afternoon let's go see the power rangers movie i can only imagine you love this genre so much to see an actual beginning to end movie that's mm -hmm. not like any and you're absolutely right in kaiju movies aren't tokusatsu movies whichever godzilla movie has jet jaguar in it that's like <laughs> yeah that's as close as you're gonna get that's yeah. about as close as you're gonna get that's like arguably like the second worst godzilla movie no it's not that's an mst for a reason i think well, I'm glad. I'm glad this. I, I I always worry when I bring in stuff because I know you two love, you know, and specifically Japanese, but a broader kind of like Asian genre cinema. And mm. like, so when I get excited about something, I'm always like, oh, I hope these guys like it, too. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show this to my friends. Like my friends don't have a chance. They're watching this. Uh, final thoughts. It's great. I loved it for all the reasons that I said. It's silly and kind of dumb, and I would love to see it with an with a translation that doesn't make watching it an exercise in, in secondary translation. But it looks so good. It's fun. The sets and the costumes and everything are really good. And like honestly, if it wasn't for the janking translation, I would I think I would just fall in love with this. But talking about it and realizing how much I like all the aspects of it, 
when we started this conversation, I probably would have given it like a two and a half or three out of uh, out of five. And now it's like a four and a half. It's a it's a great it's a classic. It's wonderful, and I love it. And I dearly hope that it gets like an actual nice Blu-ray release with like professional subtitles that I can I, I can love and squeeze and call George. Corey, any wrapping up thoughts? I loved it. I was deeply impressed by the extent of the set design and the just the scale of the sets that they used. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's colorful. I think some of the scenes went on too long sure. a little bit it drags a mm-hmm. tiny bit but mm-hmm. there's a lot going on so it's also still a little bit tiny bit overwhelming i didn't watch the whole good times vhs version that you did my cut was an hour and like 24 minutes yeah that's that's when i oh watched. mine's 131 yeah, yeah I, and I don't know what they added to it. Like I know they added that crazy stuff at the beginning, but mm-hmm. so this when you when you watch the kind of uh, normal normative version, uh, mm-hmm. it's a little more fat free. Uh, I want to wrap up by just saying a nice thing about Roger Ebert, which not a lot of people do. Roger Ebert was extraordinarily formative for me. For me too. Ever since right before he died, he did a couple columns about like you know what isn't great video games. Uh huh. He was not crazy about video games and I am not going to, I won't fight people on that, but he gets kind of a bad rap now with younger genre film critics Mm. and genre film fans whom I, and I want to be careful here. They are people who I love and respect very much, but they do not care for Ebert because Ebert was real capricious about what sort of genre movies he loved and what genre movies he didn't love. Uh, He very famously, along with Gene Siskel, basically said every slasher movie is terrible and Mm. really got on the bandwagon that like slasher movies are going to turn people into murderers. He didn't dox Betsy Palmer the way that Gene Siskel doxed Betsy Palmer. And let us never forget that Gene Siskel doxed Betsy Palmer. Anyways, Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but uh, I have an Instagram post about it. You can check it. Uh, but, like, <laughs> but he was real shitty about horror movies. He was real shitty about Italian movies. He was real shitty about. Except Evil Dead 2. Except he did like Evil Dead 2. They loved Evil Dead 2. Yeah, he was capricious, and I think he basically steps on a lot of... There is sort of a movement, which I really approve, and, and that goes along with people who are sort of turning their backs on Mystery Science Theater, which is to say we should not watch old genre films to make fun of them or say the special effects are bad or blah, blah, blah. We should love them because real human beings worked on them and made them, and no matter how they turned out, we will judge them all equally, which is something I try and do more but also sometimes stuff is stupid. Sure. But I, I guess my overall point is in this case, in the case of Inframan, I would never have known about this movie had not Roger Ebert went out on a limb in 1976 and given a crazy grindhousey punch em up robot movie two and a half stars, which is out of four, a pretty fucking good review. And had his review not been so well written, I would not have carried it around in my heart for 10 to 15 years afterwards until I could get a chance to see this movie. Mm-hmm. So he is not perfect. He did and said a lot of stupid things and he did said a lot of stupid things about movies that we have come to realize are pretty good movies if not great movies but in this case he was right and hats off to him wherever he is the end 
Inframan. We duns it. Yay. Yay. I'm Josh Kagan. You can find me on Instagram at Josh A. Kagan. I'm Anna Wasserman. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gold Sarcasmium. Follow me for hot Princess Dragon Mommy memes. No, I won't. But I wanted to say Princess Dragon Mommy again a few more times just to upset my co-hosts. Well, I'm Coriander Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Absalar or I guess Instagram under Coriander Dickinson. Uh, the next movie we're going to watch is my pick. And I went for Rescue Us Down Under. Yay! 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 This episode was edited with help from Matt Griffiths, a.k.a. at Goat Prince on Twitter. Thanks, Matt. <laughs>